Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada, and your moderator this morning. Today is Monday, January the 18th, 2021. We are reading the big book, continuing our study in the chapter more about alcoholism on page 30. We're reading the third paragraph. We alcoholics are men and women and reading that one paragraph and commenting on that paragraph only. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Margie, 12 Traditions, Nina R, and readers of the text, Harlan G, Marcella M, and Lisa B. The share ID for yesterday's special edition, Sunday, January the 17th, is one six. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Marge E. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Marge. Good morning. Thank you so much. This is Margie from Massachusetts, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we are powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overreaders and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for your service, and I pass. 
Thank you, Margie. And Nina R. will read the 12 traditions. Please go ahead, Nina. Hi, this is Nina recovering in New York City. Our com- tradition one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group consciousness. Our leaders are trusted servants that do not govern. Three, the only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsory. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its vessel to be alcoholic and still suffer. Six, an AA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, but the problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every AA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Alcoholics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, AA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the AA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. A public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for allowing me to do this. Thanks. Have a good day. Thank you, Nina R. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We're in the chapter more about alcoholism, page 30. We're reading the third paragraph, we alcoholics are men and women, and commenting on that paragraph only. Harlan G., would you read for us, please? I sure would be very happy to, Lynn. Thank you very much for your service, and thank you for making this meeting possible. We learned that we... I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves... Oh, wait, no, sorry about that. 
We alcoholics are men and women, right? Nope, that's tomorrow. Okay, we, uh, what am I doing here? We alcoholics are men. No, we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves. No, sorry. We alcoholics, we alcoholics are men, are and, women are men and women. Okay, thanks, thanks. I was a little finished this morning. I'm tired. I'm sorry. We alcoholics are men and women who have lost the ability to control our drinking. We know that no real alcoholic ever recovers control. All of us felt at times that we were regaining control, but such intervals, usually brief, were inevitably followed by still less control, which led in time to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. We are convinced to a man that alcoholics of our type are in the grip of a progressive illness over any considerable period, we get worse, never better. As I say, I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. This disease has three things about it that I need to pay attention to every day of my life. It is permanent. It is progressive. It is fatal. And what this paragraph is pointing me to is that nothing that I'm going to do, nothing that is of my human power, my willpower, my strength, my whatever, is going to make one bit of difference. No matter how much I think I may be in control of the situation, and weight loss will not make this disease go away. That's a very important thing for me to remember because I have fallen into that trap many times. I lost a lot of weight. I was looking better, not good, but better. And I thought to myself, hmm, I can handle this. I have one of these, I'll have one of those, and I'll be okay. Uh, 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 no way is that true. They are inevitably followed by still less control, which led in time to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. Nothing for me is as, as horrible as thinking I've got this down and there I am. Not only did I gain all the weight back, but I humiliated myself in front of others. The people are making fun of me. How did you put your weight back? What the heck did you do? We thought you had this. We thought you got this. Now look at you. You're gaining weight in leaps and bounds. I am in the grips of a progressive illness. Over any considerable period, we get worse, never better. And what does that mean to me? That means that my recovery must also be conversely progressive. I must do more and more and more and more. And when I say do more, I don't just mean working with other people. That's a very big part of it. But one of the traps that I have fallen into in the past is confusing step 12 for step 10. I kept doing more for others and not enough for myself, not enough digging into my own buildup of emotions, not enough digging into my own lack of power, which was indeed my dilemma. And so what happened over time is, as I threw myself blindly into 12-step work, forgetting 10, forgetting 11, and then forgetting one and two, I found myself knee deep into the food, waist deep into the food, chin deep into the food, eye deep into the food, and I didn't know what hit me. And so what I need to remember all the time is, as my disease progresses, 
my recovery must progress as well. I have to keep taking action after action after action. And unless I'm going to do that, the disease is going to tackle me from behind, not maybe for sure. And that's the challenge. I cannot keep holding on to the same level of activity of recovery and think that that's going to be okay. The disease is progressive, and so must my recovery. And Lynn, with that, I will pass. Sorry about the confusion before I'm tired this morning. Sorry. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan G. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, which would be Thursday or Friday of last week, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Rachel K. Janet B. Melissa C. Phil M. Okay, let me tell you who I heard, and then we'll fill in the blanks. I heard Rachel K., Rick J., Phil M., Melissa C. Who did I miss? Leah S. Jennifer Jennifer H. Okay, great. Thank you. I have her lineup right now. Thank you. I've got a lineup. We have Rachel K., Rick J., Phil M., Melissa C., Leah S., and Jennifer H. So that's our lineup for the first go-round. Rachel K., could you start us off, please? Sure. Thank you so much. This is Rachel K. from California. Harlan, I can't imagine why you're tired. You know, you didn't do anything this weekend. So anyway, Rachel K. from California, thank you for calling on me. I love uh, this paragraph um, because it speaks to me about humility um, that I have to remember today that anytime I think, oh, I have a handle on this. And this applies to me um, for, you know, compulsive Uh, you know, overeating, which by the grace of God, you know, I'm recovered for about 20 and a half years, Um, but also for character defects. You know, it speaks to me, you know, of the need not only for uh, steps 10 and 11, as was discussed, but for step one, for step seven, you know, that that, um, of me, I am nothing, the Father doeth the works. I think I completely misquoted that, but um, that under my own steam, I am not able to get better. I may think, oh, I have a handle on this. I have a handle on this, on whatever, the, this particular compulsive food behavior. Or, oh, I have a handle on this character defect. You know, I don't, uh, I don't reply with snarky texts, you know, anymore to my mom. And then I have to remember, nope, nope, uh, it, that's not me. Because if I forget that no, I never have a handle on this. I never had a handle on this, nor will I ever get a handle on this, on the compulsive overeating, nor on my stubborn character defects, um, that it is only through humility, only doing the footwork, doing the steps, and being willing to have God remove them, uh, not only the compulsion to overeat and the obsession with food, but also, you know, all my difficulties today, 
um, that, that it's not me, that I, I never have a handle on this. And they all, all of my defects are progressive, um, that they get worse, never better. If, if I, you know, don't maintain that spiritual connection, uh, and I maintain that spiritual connection by working the steps, by staying in 10, 11, and 12, by admitting my powerless every single day, by turning my will and my life over to the care of my higher power. Um, so anyway, what a great way to start a Monday morning. Um, thank you, everybody doing service today. Uh, and I'll pass. Rachel King, California, thanks. Thank you, Rachel K. Rick J., it's your turn, followed by Phil M. Good morning, Rick. Good morning. How are you this, uh, How are you doing? Um, this is Rick J. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Cary, uh, North Carolina. Good to be on the line this morning. Uh, control, that word's jumping out at me four times in this paragraph. And, uh, you know, it uh, just sort of puts the you know, the final ring to, uh, back on page 21, it says at some stage of the drinking career, uh, we begin to lose all control of our, uh, liquor consumption once we start to drink. And, uh, you know, and that's me. I've, I've lost control. There was, there, the stage that I've lost all control over my eating when I start to eat certain foods, ingredients has, has come and gone. That bell has been rung and there's nothing about control anymore. And for me, that's the the step one. I I know that I I have lost my ability to control. I'll never ever recover control, uh, even though there's a part of me that uh, thinks that I might at some time, which kept me in and out of the, um, you know the food for 20 years. Uh, and there were times when I thought that yes, I I've got this, and um, and then I would crash again. And I heard somebody uh, on on this line one time say uh there is a bottom below the bottom you know i'd never heard that before and for me that sums up this right here you know that i'm going to be taken to a bottom of pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization and just when i think it can't get any worse i will find another bottom there's always one waiting there and i know there's one waiting for me here if i pick up the food thank god since October of 2019 that I have maintained entire abstinence and I am living in a um, on you know in a world of progressive recovery yes the recovery is progressive but I've got a um, disease that tells me that this time will be different um, that I'm really not that bad that I can possibly do this which of course is denial, and then the worst is I already know what exactly is going to happen when when I pick up the bite, and I do it anyway, and that's that's for me the insanity of it. And um, yeah, I uh, I'm so grateful to be abstinent, so grateful that uh, that I I am free right in this moment. I'm maintaining my spiritual condition, and I'm living in the promises right now. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Rick J. Phil M., it's your turn, followed by Melissa C. Please go ahead, Phil. Thank you so much uh, for your service. Uh, my name is Phil, and I'm a gratefully recovered compulsive reader from Northern Ireland. Um, and the words uh, 
incomprehensible demoralization. I suffered so many of those. I had five and a half years of relapsing, uh, slipping the whole works, everything, until in um, June 2019, I was my heaviest at 231 pounds, 16 and a half stone. I suffered from arthritis. I had reflux at night so that I had to sleep sitting up as best I could. Um, I had become antisocial. I was depressed, taking antidepressants, and even cancer and the threat of death could not make me stop eating um, the poison that was sugar. And my own disgust, my husband's disgust, that couldn't and didn't stop me either. I used to love socialising and I used to love buying clothes. Um, but I, I got that I didn't want to see anyone. I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror. I didn't really care what I wore. Um, I'd go and buy size 24, whatever it was, trousers and so on. I just put them on. I didn't care what it looked like. Um, I did work in a, a grocery shop, a very nice one, which was great when I was in recovery. Not so great when I was being tempted. And this day there was a, a cake for sale. It was a chocolate cake and it was three pounds. I lived seven miles from that shop. I couldn't make the seven miles. I pulled in about a mile away from the shop into a busy car park. Lots of people about. It was a sunny day. But all I could think about was a chocolate cake. And in my mind, I managed to pretend that I was invisible, that these people couldn't see me getting stuck into this chocolate cake. No knives, just with my hands. And that is what I told myself. I was so demoralized. I said, this is what your recovery is worth. Three pounds. It is only worth three pounds. And it was such a low point. And I've had many other low points as well. But uh, through this program, and particularly uh, through Vision, um, I've been able to reconnect uh, with myself, with my higher power, um, with my fellows in the program. And today, um, I was at an early bird meeting, which we have. It's marvellous. We have about 100 people attending that on Zoom. Did service. Um, I was talking to one of my sponsees today and two others who reached out to me, which was just lovely. Um, I'm really enjoying the flowers in my garden, which because I was recovered, I planted for the first time. I'm going to see daffodils and tulips, which I planted last year. And life is just so different. And I'm so, so grateful to be here. And I'm so grateful to everyone who does service and everyone who's listening on the line. If one of us can recover, all of us can recover. It is possible. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Phil. M. Melissa C., it's your turn, followed by Leah S. Good morning, Melissa. Hey, good morning, Lynn. Thank you so much for your service this morning. My name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in New York. Um, you know, like what grabs me um, in this paragraph is the, is the word control, and um, how much I just really wanted to have control. And I actually thought um, that that's what I was going to get here, that I thought, like, you guys are going to teach me how I could be in control of this problem. And, you know, if you're in control, it means you can regulate, you know, how 
Well, when you eat, what you eat, how much you eat, where you eat, like all those things. And, you know, like when for me, um, all the time, right? And and since it progresses, um, you know, the when, it, it took up more and more space in my life. It was in happy times and sad times, you know, um, I I would eat through a stomach virus, right? It, it wouldn't matter. Um and, like, so what I eat, you know, initially, um, there were certain foods, you know, that pulled me like a magnet and, and demanded eating. But, you know, towards the end, the progressive nature of this disease, I didn't even enjoy what I was eating. I was still just eating. Um, so the what, you know, progressed. And clearly how much, right, if if you're here, um, it's because you can't regulate. I couldn't control how much, and I tried all of my life portion control i just that just sounded so appealing and so normal and over time the amount that i needed to consume got greater and greater and in fact every diet i went on did the exact opposite it actually increased my ability to eat more um it never shrunk my stomach like people said it did um you know and i think about the where right like Normal people don't eat in the bathroom at family events, right? That's just not a normal behavior. And, you know, when when the disease gets worse and worse over time, it got worse and worse for me. The wear became everywhere, you know. And so what happens was um, I stopped participating in places where I couldn't eat, you know, and and that drove me um, further into isolation. And that's another way I think that this disease um, demoralizes. It demoralized me because it, it, it drove me into a state where I preferred being alone eating than being among other human beings. And that, um, unless you have this, that makes no sense to you. And yet if you have this, you get that. Um, and it only gets worse, and but we have a solution. Thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Leah S., it's your turn, followed by Jennifer H. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everyone. My name is Leah S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And I say that with conviction. And I say that with belief in myself. I I spent more than half my life. I didn't come into these rooms until I was over 50 years old because nothing is going to affect me. I took a long time to admit I am a compulsive overeater. Control, one, two, three, four. I'm just reading four times in this one paragraph. That's what I wanted, control. I'm just going to speak to those who have made resolutions in January. You know, um, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Uh, I'm just giving you hope. In this paragraph, think about the positive. Um, I have lost the ability to control my drinking. And you know what happened to me? And just turn it around. I have finally understand that I have my portion size of food, and I don't need more, and I don't want more. 
We know that no um, uh, alcoholic ever recovers. It's such a wonderful feeling to give over the control to your higher power. Your anxiety level will go down so much. The tenseness within me has gone down because I don't have to be in control. And then sometimes I thought I was in control, but they would be so chaotic. You know what? The world is so chaotic. Everything about me is so chaotic, but it is it is being led by my higher power. And it is, I'm at peace. I know that I'm not in control. Thank you, God. Thank you. You know, if you turn this around, I can, I can become a little bit more sane. I can um, eat the way my body needs, whatever it needs. These things can become positive. They have become positive. But are you going to believe me? I don't think so because you don't see me. But the truth is, try it out yourself. Try it for one meal and you will see that if you just let go and let God help you, then it's going to be miraculous. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Leah S. Jennifer H., it's your turn. Please go ahead, Jennifer. Good morning. Jennifer H. from Virginia, and I am definitely a compulsive overeater. Um, and when I was reading this today, I just, again, I like everyone else, I focused on the words of lost control. You know, never recovers control. Um, maybe feel like we're regaining it, but followed by less control and how progressive this disease is. Um, I don't I've, I've had this disease for a very long time. I can remember binging and sneaking food as a kid trying and trying to conceal and the countless diets of trying to control, you know, Weight Watchers, I don't know, weigh 10 times, something crazy. Um, and all the, the AIDS diet, AIDS candy things, um, just a variety of things. And uh, they were all temporary fixes, followed again by more weight gain. And you, know, you can look, kind of look over the yo-yo dieting of my life and see the graph go up. Um, go up and it does definitely get worse my um, I ha- I uh, during my last period of weight gain I um, started gaining weight I found out I needed hip surgery for um, a complete hip replacement and that didn't stop me I still gained weight um, I went through the hips hip replacement surgery and um, started healing from that and food still was my focus and thank God that this program and you all are there that I was able to return because thank God thank God I mean because otherwise I just kept trying to find the solution on my own and and somehow make it work without this and it really um, it doesn't work and my last demoralizing thing I can think of is I was getting sores underneath my stomach um, because I was uh trying to exercise and it got sweaty and I didn't wash and all of a sudden I had wounds and um, that was definitely progressive. It hadn't happened to me before. Um, And it is incomprehensible demoralization to go under, to lose 80 pounds, go into relapse and gain that back plus some. 
Um, and so for today, I'm focusing on being entirely abstinent and letting God take over because, man, I sure make a mess of things on my own. So, yes, it's progressive. We can't regain control. And thank God there's a solution that is not me. Thank you very much. I pass. Thank you, Jennifer H. For those of us who might have come on the line a little bit later this morning, we are continuing our study of the big book. Uh, We're in the chapter more about alcoholism. On page 30, the third paragraph, we alcoholics are men and women. And we're reading and commenting on that one paragraph only. So the line is now open for sharing on what we just read. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared Thursday or Friday of last week, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Jenny UK. Okay, I didn't get anybody. But I got somebody from the UK. Okay, so I heard Ginger C and somebody from the UK. Janet B. Okay, great. Okay. So I've got Ginger C, Janet B, and Liz. Who else would like to share? Karen G. Trisha C. Okay, I've got room for one more. Okay, let me tell you our lineup then. We have Ginger C, Janet D, Liz, Karen G, and Trisha C. Please go ahead, Ginger. Service. Can you hear me? We can now, thank you. Okay, great. Thank you for your service. Ginger C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. And I just love this last sentence. Over any considerable period, we get worse, never better. This progression, and thank God it progresses, because what wakes all of us up but the pain that continues? It's relentless. It doesn't give up. And that's what gets my attention finally and made me give this food addiction the credit that it deserved because I just thought, well, it's not that bad. And many times this 20 years of this revolving door of relapse, I would come into OA because I wanted some temporarily relief. I didn't want recovery. I just wanted to feel better in that moment. I wanted to lose some weight, get down to a lower pant size, and then move on. But then, again, thank God for every beautiful bite because that's what woke me up to the realization, this is scary. This is real. And what am I going to do? And it was through the pain of the eating that I finally was beaten into a state of reasonableness. And, yes, I said, I'm finally done. I'm giving up. I'm willing to go to any lengths for victory. Tell me, what do I need to do? Help me. So, again, so grateful that we have to sadly almost kill ourselves before we're reborn, but thank God there's a message of hope of recovery that if you're eating right here, right now, there's a way out. You put the fork down, you get busy, and you get better. 
And I don't know if you can get off the elevator early or not. I still have that debate. In AA, I got off early. In a couple other of these addictions, I'm taking it down. But it absolutely has an answer, and it's the 12 steps. And we're so privileged to be a part of this meeting and to be hearing it daily. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. Janet D., it's your turn, followed by Liz. Good morning, Janet. Hi, good morning. This is Janet B. in New Jersey, recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia. Well, my mind focused on that word grip. We are in the grip of a progressive illness. It reminds me how Bill Wilson said, alcohol was my master. Food was my master, and I was in its grip. I could not escape. Of course, it was progressive. I went from throwing up twice a week to throwing up six, six times a day. It got worse, and I couldn't do anything about it but God. Enter God. And I was just thinking back to the doctor's opinion page, Roman numeral 27, where it talks about um, how people who are in recovery believe in themselves and still more in the power which pulls chronic alcoholics back from the gates of death. Only the power of God could loosen the grip of the hand of, of the illness on my neck. But of course, because I'm like someone who has the power of one and the illness has a power of a hundred, but God has unlimited power, like the power of a million. And how do we get there, right? How did I get there from point A, where I was in the grip of this illness, to point B, where God was pulling me back from the gates of death? And it says that right in that line in the doctor's opinion, they believe in themselves and still more believing in the power which pulls us back. My belief that God could help me was the first step in activating that power. Just like money is the currency in the, in the physical world, if I want, I don't know, to buy something at the grocery, I go there and hand them a $20 bill. That's the currency. In the spiritual world, faith is the currency. The minute I started believing that God could help me and then continued to surrender my life to him, he actually came down to help. And we were talking about progressive, and then I'll just close with um, a last line on what also is progressive. On page eight, Bill Wilson says, I was to know happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. Recovery is also progressive, and it begins with saying, God, maybe you can do this, and I'm just going to submit myself as much as I can to as much of you as I understand. And then I promise the miracle happens. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Janet D. Liz, it's your turn, followed by Karen G. And can we have the initial of your last name, please, Liz? Good morning, uh, good afternoon. My name is Liz Eve Elegant from the UK. Um, thank you, everybody, for doing service here and all the wonderful people on this call. I am just so, so grateful to you all. I'm not sure what I'm going to say, but um, I've been asking my higher power to speak through me. And the thing that comes up to me is which led in time to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. 
when I did my step four and five, the thing that's come up for me is I really struggle with confusion. And I don't know if that's because I'm dyslexic, because of being told a lot of lies as a child, but that has been an incredibly helpful thing for me to understand. And for me to know that I don't need to be confused because often when I'm confused, I find things incomprehensible. I go into self-will and I try to figure it out. And with the support of all of you beautiful people and my amazing sponsor, I am learning that going to understand and figure it out in my head is not what God wants. And because I'm then in self-will, I just need to hand it over. And examples of things are happening for me when I do that. And God gives me lots of examples to practice that. So just really, I want to share the power of the most important thing is that I have a lack of power. And more as every day goes by, it's not so much my meal plan but my engagement and time that I spend with my higher power that will give me the serenity that I'm looking for. And um, I will feel less demoralized and less confused. And all of this feels so counterintuitive that it's just crazy. So I just have to do it. And that's all I've got to do. And spending time with God and higher power is something I need to invest more in to be able to lose the confusion. Hope that makes sense to somebody. Thanks a million um, for listening, and I will pass. Have a great day. Thank you, Liz E. Karen G., it's your turn, followed by Tricia C. Please go ahead, Karen. Thank you very much. This is Karen G. from New Jersey, um, gratefully recovered over, under, eater, and uh, exercise bulimic. And uh, just want to maybe speak a little bit about being new in recovery and also new in OA. And I say new, it means um, basically 14 months. And um, I have recently finished all 12 steps with a third sponsor um, for the third time in those first 14 months. And um, I like to think that I am a capable person, but, you know, these, this program has been baffling. And I, you know, it, it is about this paragraph so much for me. Um, I really have to thank every single person who shared on the line today because I related with absolutely everything. And I think this paragraph really spoke to me because of the word control. And that's what it's been about. Um, largely what it's been about for me is, is giving up that control to my higher power. Um, there's so much that I heard today that I relate to, like um, feeling like I have to help others more and not spending enough time on clearing out my own buildup of human emotion. And I can see that when I don't spend that time doing that, then, you know, my disease wants to come coming back in, whether it's experiencing the mental twist or having the food call to me, you know, it's a clue. It's a sign that there's something there that I have to take a closer look at. 
I do want to control everything, including my appetite, feelings of hunger, and basically everything that has to do with my life. But I notice that as soon as the food starts taking up more space in my mind, again, that's that's a clue. And I will say that, though, spending the time with my higher power has been incredibly freeing, um, you know, because when I spend that time and focus on my own recovery, I do find that freedom. Um, and the freedom comes from letting go of my character defects, which are the fear, the anxiety, the selfishness, the resentments, and, um, and really starting to learn in my heart that I am not in control of my ability to regulate my food, but also I'm not in control of my emotions. I'm not in control of my thoughts. I'm not in control of other people, situations, and life in general. And I'm just so grateful when my higher power can guide my actions, when I turn to him, when I seek him, and show me what I can control and gives me the courage to take the next right action um, one day at a time. So thank you, God, and thanks to all of you for your service. I pass. Thank you, Karen G. And Tricia C., it's your turn. Good morning, Tricia. Good morning. This is Tricia C., recovered compulsive overeater in New Hampshire. Uh, And I always say that I'm the recovered chronic non-recoverer because I tried to recover for eight years in OA. And I'm talking working my tail off, not just kind of going to the room. Eight years, and four of those were in vision. And I could not. I'd get go out in three, I'd go out in four, I'd go out in step nine, and I'd go out even in 12, and I could not recover. And uh, when I, I just think by the grace of God, I recovered. And when I think about why, why is this a progressive illness? And why does, why does it say that we have lost the ability to control our drinking? And I think, you know, I finally get that food doesn't do for normal people what it does for me. And guess what? Food is always going to have that reaction in my body. Nothing is going to change that. I am always going to have crazy reactions to these foods. And I finally get that down to my core. And I also finally get that I seek ease and comfort like nobody's business from food. Because why? Because I am restless, irritable, and discontented. And But now I have a way to get rid of that other than food. Um, I finally got to the place of complete and utter demoralization. And um, I was scared. I was at like a level of 10 on the depression scale, 11, a level of 10 on the anxiety scale. When I called my beautiful sponsor, who I call Love on a Stick, the woman is like, she had what I wanted. She still does. And um, I was willing to do whatever she said, whenever she said it, I was willing to stop thinking about it and analyzing it. I don't need to analyze still to this day when she said, you know, you need to take on another sponsee. I was like, my first reaction is, are you high? Do you know what my life looks like? And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's right, of course. And so I have to do the actions, especially the actions that I think are wrong or that I think 
I don't need to because guess what? That is a sign that that's exactly what I need to do. So um, if you're feeling lack of hope today that you can't recover, I'm here to, show, to say that even when life gets crazy and life gets um, completely unbearable and you've tried everything that you can recover. And so I just want to say thank you to everyone for speaking over the weekend and working over the weekend. And thank you for everyone today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Tricia C. We have time for three more shares. Who would like those spots? Margaret D. Okay, there was somebody C. Royce B. Is that D O R Y? Um, R. Rose Royce. Royce B. Roy. Okay, Story, you're going to have to increase your volume a bit, I think. Um, thanks. So I've got Royce B, Margaret D, and who else? Eileen D. Okay, that's great. Thank you, everybody. So, Rory C., would you please go ahead for us? Hi, thank you for your service. Um, and I, I would just like to say incomprehensible demoralization um, happened to me on Christmas Day this year. Um, I was um, I relapsed after seven months of abstinence and was vomiting and in the backyard and hiding from my daughter and it was a horrible scene and I've come to realize that the only power that can ever save me is is turning my power over and I've learned that through these meetings and through my wonderful sponsor who I adore um, and uh, turning the power over, that's the big message. Um, I am powerless, and until I decide to turn the keys over, um, I am nothing. So with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Rory C. And Margaret D., it's your turn, followed by Eileen B. Please go ahead, Margaret. Oh, hey, good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Margaret D., and I'm grateful. I'm very grateful um, to be a recovered compulsive eater. I'm in Georgia, and um, a big welcome to the still-suffering compulsive eater. The um, recognition that I'm hearing and, and understanding and feeling, and um, it just makes me feel so much a part of instead of... It, this used to make me feel um, separate from is hearing everybody talk about the um, illusion of gaining control. And I never realized that it was an illusion. And so because I could be in control at times, or, you know, I thought I had it licked. Well, if I was to list out every method that I've tried to control my eating, it would take, believe me, a lot longer than three minutes. Um, but here's what, what really helped me. I heard in, in the rooms that if I control my eating, 
or when I can control my eating, I don't enjoy it. And if I enjoy it, I can't control it. And that's what, that's like the the sledgehammer that finally got through to me. I think even knowing that the difference between what it was like when I controlled it and when I enjoyed it, but without the control, um, that's what finally helped me to to really understand the the true nature of this disease. And the last thing I want to share is um, this point about inevitably being followed by still less control, which leads in time to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. When you're trying to control something, the idea about walking away from it is just so, so not in my head. Um, and I want to throw my self-will more and more into the equation about, well, let me try this, let me try that, blah, blah, blah. I'm so grateful for this meeting. I'm so grateful for everybody that shares. And I'm really grateful to my higher power who finally, when, when I stopped fighting, um, you know, led me to to a recovery that's sustainable, that's happy, that's healthy, um, and that lets me be included and a part of instead of always feeling like I'm on the outside. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Margaret D. Eileen B., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. This is Eileen D. Uh, from Maryland. Hi, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and thank you for our moderator and everyone who has shared this morning. Um, for me, when I look at the, the line that says that such intervals, you know, all of us felt at times that we were regaining control, but such intervals usually brief were followed by still less control. And, and I, now, today, I can look back and, and look at that the, the less brief and say to myself, that made me last in a nanosecond, you know, thinking I could control things. I mean, from the time I was little and my mother had her famous homemade sweet that we all loved, I would, I would basically find out where it was hidden. I would find out because it had to be hidden because I would eat it all the time. Uh, where it was hidden, I would find it, I would do everything I could. I was just a little kid. And, you know, throughout my life, I would have periods of the diet, and then I'd lose the weight, and then the diet, and I'd lose the weight. And I remember right as I I was in program for many, many years, and I relapsed. I relapsed so hard that I went to my, uh, my children had a birthday party I took them to, and I walked in and wandered and talked to people and saw the cake. And, and by the time my kids were done playing, half of it, it was a sheet cake, was gone. And I had crumbs all over me, and I made light of it, and we laughed about it. I was so embarrassed and mortified, because if I had stayed longer, I would have finished it, no doubt about it. So talk about lacking control. And it only got worse, to the point where I had to cry out to God and say, I can't do this. I am 
I just can't do it. I am killing myself and my family. Um, And it just took coming in these rooms, working with sponsors, just doing the footwork. Um, And when I think about it now, I am so amazed at the gift of abstinence, that it was given to me. And I just kind of prayed for it, waited for it, and it happened. So those of you who are, you know, wanting it, it does come. It is part of the promises. Um, And so I just wanted to share that today. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Eileen D. And thank you to everyone who shared and to Team Monday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for yesterday, Sunday special edition, January the 17th. Sorry, I'm reading the wrong thing. The share ID for this morning, Monday, January the 18th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 16218. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Lisa B., will you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, good morning, everybody. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.